guys. How are you doing? This is Ken. This is the Ken Burton Show podcast. And uh, this one will be going up on Sunday. I can't remember when is Sunday. I don't know. It's next week. Um, t- <laughs> I'm recording this on Tuesday. It's going to go up on the Sunday. It's now Tuesday the 17th. Okay. The only reason I'm recording it now is that um, uh, it suddenly occurred to me, you know, a couple of the comments that a few people have kind of come back to me with, and then a couple of other comments that... You know, various people that I know have come back to me with and, and said, like, you know, I, the thing about Jack, <laughs> and they were a bit concerned that I might be exposing them to things. And I said, look, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to go and um, expose you or out you as an ex-gangster um, unless, you know, you want me to. And Jack did. Jack wanted me to. So um, what can I tell you? I, I, I'm not going to do it, guys. I'm just not going to do it. All right. If you... <laughs> There's a few people that used to know me a long time ago that are a little bit concerned. But OK, don't worry about it, guys. Don't honestly, don't worry about it. But I am going to tell another story about somebody that we knew. And uh, his name was Mark. Uh, now that was genuinely his name, actually, because uh, we used to take the piss out of him. Something wicked. At the, during the time of around this story, there was this most ridiculous, ridiculous soap opera going on uh, in the UK, which was all about Spain. I think it was called El Dorado or something. The worst actors ever. I mean, ever were in this soap opera. And uh, there was a girl in there who used to, she couldn't pronounce the name of her so-called husband, who was called Marcus. And she'd always go, Marcus, Marcus. (laughs) So we used to call him Marcus, (laughs) which is kind of funny. So anyway, um, Mark, let's tell you about Mark. Oh my God, right, where do we start with Mark? Okay, um, this isn't a gangster story, by the way. And uh, I will actually, let's just qualify this and tell you that this story, the events within the story, the characters portrayed in this story are all completely fictional. All right. This may or may not have ever happened. Okay, let's get that out there. And I will also warn you that if you are of a nervous disposition, you might want to turn off. Not that I would encourage you to turn off. But you might want to turn off because uh, that may be a bit scary in parts. <laughs> if you're young and you're under the age of 18, don't listen. That's Or go and ask your mum. Get your mum to listen with you. That's the best thing you can do. All right. So, <sighs> right. Where do we start? Christ, I don't know where to start. Mark. Let me tell you about the sort of guy Mark was. He was a guy I went to school with, actually. I didn't really know him that well when we were at school. He was a nice enough lad, got decent grades, and, you know, he was doing okay, doing all the the usual things that we did at school. I mean, we, you know, we took time out, and uh, we, we bunked off school a few times, and he was part of a crowd of us, okay? And um, Mark had uh, two sisters... Uh, if I'm well, anyway, he definitely had two sisters. Remember more, don't know, but he had two sisters. He had a brother and his mum and dad, and they all lived in a place called Charlesmore, which is kind of it's in Coventry and it's kind of uh, to one end of uh, Coventry, if you like. 
and uh, Charles Moore was quite, it was, that's quite a nice place actually, there was a lot of people from my school from Charles Moore, there were in secondary school, there's a lot of people there from a little place near there called Stichel, which was also, you know, quite a, uh, a fairly good area, and uh, th there are people that would argue that, I suppose every area has got its dodgy bits, but anyway, predominantly it was a fairly good area, I think his dad was some sort of engineer at Rolls-Royce, if I remember rightly. And that's that's taking it back. And his mum did um, a little bit of part-timey work and weird and wonderful stuff and stuff. Anyway, uh, I guess we were... Oh, God, we'd left school. I guess we were in our early 20s, very early 20s, if that, when um, we met up in a nightclub. And uh, <laughs> I hadn't seen Mark for a couple of months, I think. And I was in there with a few friends, and Mark was in there with a few other friends. And we kind of went, oh, hi, hi, hi. And we all sat down at the same table. And we all started, you know, laughing and joking about the old days and stuff. And then uh, uh, Mark was a little bit subdued, you know. And I was saying to him, you know, you're not a bit your old self today, mate. Because, you know, you know you're know, you a little bit, uh, you're a bit of a downer today. And he went, oh, it's, it's this fucking, it's this dream. I said, what? <laughs> I said, I keep having this dream over and over again, and it's driving me absolutely fucking mad. I said, how long has that been going on then? He said, oh, Christ, about a month, month and a half. I said to him, well, what's it all about? And he said, oh, I can't, I can't fucking tell you here. He said, it would take too long. Anyway, he said, I, I don't want to think about it. I said, yeah, all right then, mate. All right, don't worry about it. So anyway, we had the rest of the night and we laughed and joked and him and his crowd and me and my crowd. And we all went off, actually, and got a curry that night. I remember that distinctly because it was that night when I did something. That, I've done it since, but um, uh, I did something. That... <laughs> right. So we all come out of the curry house. And we are all completely fucking wasted. And we're heading for a taxi rank, all right? I am feeling particularly out of my game here. I, I have drank far too much. And uh, we all got into one taxi. Oh, well, some of us got in one, some of us got in another. Anyway, four guys that got in the taxi I was in. I said to the guy, do you mind having curry in your cab, mate? And he went, no, no, you're all right. And I went, cheers. <laughs> Threw up in his cab. <laughs> And he chucked us out. <laughs> oh, God, it was funny. Anyway, um, so that was the first time I'd ever done that. I have done that since, by the way. But And we had to get we had to get another cab, which was difficult. But it was very funny at the time. Anyway, um, actually, there'd been an event in the uh, curry house as well. Because uh, um, it was one of Mark's mates, I think, had made some sort of dodgy comment to one of the Indian waiters and we we'd all kind of gone what the fuck you don't you leave it out mate you don't, I don't want to be doing that for fuck's sake the guy's trying to do his job and stuff and he got really leery and uh I know the guys in the curry house were a little bit concerned because there were so many of us but he he'd gone well out of order what he'd said to this uh waiter and uh you know I, I said to the waiter and I said look do you want this guy out and he went, do you mind? So we all threw him out. <laughs> and he was in our crowd. Anyway, anyway, that was one of the things. That, that had repercussions later on as well. But hey. So anyway, pissed out my brain. Finally get a cab home. And uh, um, 
my mates actually uh I, I was incapable of walking uh i must have been because he physically just left me on my doorstep <laughs> bastards <laughs> and I, I fell asleep on my doorstep and it was one of the neighbors uh that kind of i think he was on his way to work he woke up uh, he, he woke me up at about half six in the morning because uh, he thought i was dead <laughs> I was lying on my on the pavement outside my front door. <laughs> so anyway, he got me up and said, "You know, where's your keys?" I got keys anyway. He helped me inside, and I sat on the sofa and went to sleep. So I slept then till about um, Christ. It must have been oh God, uh, I'm guessing early afternoon. Oh, just popped a chewing in there, and um, yeah, I mean it, it must have been early afternoon. I got a head that was spinning all over the place, and uh, one of the boys actually came round. Uh, wanted to <laughs> I wanted to go for a drink. I thought, oh Christ, no! So uh, we had to, we sat there we were having some coffee, and I was saying about Mark, and he went, yeah, yeah. He said, he said I met up with him a few weeks back, and he was in that state. He's uh, he's really suffering. And so what brings on bad dreams like that, especially dreams that you can remember so vividly? I mean, Christ, surely you have a dream, you forget half of it when, you know, you wake up in the morning, which is a bit of a shame on some of the dreams I have, really. <laughs> Let's not get into that. So anyway, he said, uh, you know, he said, yeah, he was in a bit of a bad way. I said, well, we'll give him a bell, you know, just just get him out, just two of us, and just um, uh, let's try and get him out of himself a bit. Maybe he's a bit of on a downer or something. So anyway, so uh, phoned him up and said, um, "You know, why don't you come out for a beer?" And he's, "No, no, I'm not into it. I don't, I don't go out that much now. You know, I, I just want to leave it out for a while. I just, you know, just want to be on my own stuff." And so fucking hell, man, that is no good for you. No good for you at all. Look, come around my house. There's just me, you, and and uh, we'll remember who he is if he's listening. Um, so anyway, we said, you know, just come round. Uh, we'll get a takeaway, watch a movie or something. And he went, yeah, all right then, all right, I'll come around. So um, anyway, uh, Saturday night, and uh, he turned up our house, or my house, about um, seven o'clock. And um, we got in, we we cracked open a beer, we ordered a, a takeaway, and uh, we sat there watching a movie. I can't remember what the hell it was, but it wasn't very good, I know that. But anyway, we sat there watching this. And uh, then there was something on TV we we all wanted to watch as well. And, you know, we were taking the piss out of him a bit, uh, talking, you know, um, uh, haven't you got to get back for filming on El Dorado? Marcos, <laughs> you know. He was okay, but he just wasn't himself. So, anyway, we didn't want to push him on the subject. So we left it till about 11 o'clock. And then we said, look, what's the crack with these dreams? I mean, you remember the whole thing and everything. He went, yeah. Yeah, everything from start to finish. From the moment I close my eyes, I start to dream about it. And then I wake up and I'm screaming and in a cold sweat. So fucking hell, man, you've got to go to a doctor about it. He said, I've been. So what did they say? He said, offered me antidepressants, you know. He said, but, you know, that isn't helping. It, it, it's just not going to help. I know it isn't. So we said, well, you know, can, can we ask what the dream is? And so he started to tell us this story. Now, his dream started with him uh, at a seaside town. And uh, he's walking along the front of the seaside town. There's a gate, there's a fence, there's a wall, and then there's a bit of a beach, and then there's some sea. And uh, there's some arcades, these penny arcade things on, on one side of the road, candy floss cellars, there are... 
donkeys on the beach, you know, the whole Blackpool sort of experience. And, um, you know, he looks across and he sees a pier and uh, there's a funeral taking place on the pier. Now, there's nothing on the pier. There's nothing else on the pier, which is weird because a pier, no matter where it is in, in Britain, has got something on it. I mean, they've got arcades on them or they've got bars on them or I've seen nightclubs on piers. But this one was just nothing. It was just a like a, a walk, like a, a just a walkway thing. And uh, which I guess you'd call it, the Americans would call it a boardwalk. And then at the end of this was this funeral. So anyway, he thought it was weird. So he, he thought he'd take a, a wander and see what was going on. And he said, you know, there's plenty of people milling around. He's not on his own or anything. And then he steps on the pier and he starts to walk towards where this funeral is. And then they, it's like um, it's like the old uh, burial at sea thing where you've got these uh, planks. The, the actual coffins are on long planks on the railings of this uh, walkway uh, of this pier. And then there's people stood there, and they're obviously going to do the burial at sea thing where they slide from under the sheet. And, you know, it's anyway, there's these coffins around. He said, and um, he, he kind of gets to uh, one point and he realizes that there are people there that he knows. And he's got aunts there and uncles there. And, you know, he's, he's got all these people he recognizes from when he was a kid, you know. They're all stood around and all his relatives are there. And uh, as he walks further and further towards it, he gets to the point where he stood practically in the middle of where this service is and nobody can see him. Nobody's talking to him. Everybody's just carrying on with this funeral service, which is really weird on the on the end of this pier. He said, that, and then like he said, everyone's dressed in black and you know it's completely everyone's in black and everyone's you know subdued the usual funeral scene he said and then the vicar says so we commit our brother to the sea and you know in the pure and sacred hope of the resurrection of and all the rest of it and the plank slowly slides forward and the coffin slides from under the sheet and off the plank and hits the sea. And he couldn't understand the name. And then it happens again with the second coffin. And he, he doesn't hear the name. And then again, and then again, and the, he doesn't hear any of the names at all. And then... The vicar basically says, you may go in peace, have peace be with you, or whatever they do. And uh, he he kind of just stands there as people around him walk away. And he sees this order of service on the floor. And it's a picture of his family. And he picks it up. And it's got his mum and dad's name and his two sisters' names on this piece of paper. And of course, he absolutely screams. And that's when he wakes himself up. 
And we were saying to him, Jesus Christ, man, how, how many times you had this? So maybe um, two, three times a week for the past two months. Same dream, same dream, exactly the same dream. And there are no differences at any point during this dream. He said, nope, absolutely no difference. So he's like, fucking hell. You've got to go and see a shrink. You've got to go and get your head sorted out, surely. Go go and find a psychiatrist. And he said his doctor had suggested it and there was blah, blah, you know. And, and then, anyway, we kind of talked to him. We said, these things are really silly. It's something that's stuck in your head. It maybe is, you know, uh, a movie you've watched on TV. You've fallen asleep watching it. It's gone into your psyche. You keep seeing it over and over. You just got to kind of break your surroundings. And, you know, I asked him if he wanted to stay with me for a couple of weeks. But he wasn't, you know, he wanted to stay close to his family. And I, I can kind of understand that. Now, um, the following day, the, not Mark, Maracos, but the other guy that I was with, um, he uh, he and I were going out for a drink this Sunday night and uh, with a few of the other guys. So anyway, went out for a drink. We were talking about this. And my mate was saying, well, wouldn't it be really, really freaky now if something happened to his fucking parents and his sisters? And I'm like, don't, you know, that is, that's just too weird. That is just too weird. But of course, Marcos was there and he was shit scared. Absolutely shitting himself. That's why he wouldn't leave his family. That's why he didn't want to come out. And you can kind of understand it, but it really was driving him nuts. We'd asked him if he'd spoke to his family about it and stuff. And he he said he, he kind of had, but, you know, like everything was normal with his family. They got no trips planned. Uh, they weren't going to have a holiday that year because they were saving up to go uh, um, to somewhere else the following year and take the whole family sort of thing. So they weren't having a holiday that year even. So, you know, there was no rhyme or reason for it, really. And uh, we kind of took the piss, you know, said you've watched uh, too many fucking Titanic films. That's your problem. But we were still quite concerned about him. So anyway, a couple of weeks went by. Didn't really hear from him. And uh, we'd been out once or twice and had a few beers. And we said, oh, fuck it. We better give Mark a shout, see how he is. So we we phoned him. And uh, his mum answered. And she said, oh, he's, um, he's, he's not well at the moment. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's really like quite not himself and, uh, he won't be out for a little while. And so we were like, right. Okay. That's, that's just a bit strange, isn't it? That that's all just a bit strange. So I thought, well, all right, let's give it a few days. Then I'm going to go around his house. So, and see how he was. So anyway, another mate of mine actually who was a big mate with Mark when we were big mates with Mark when we were in school. He said, uh, oh, I'll, t- "I'll come with you." Like so, we went round his house and we said, "Look, can we see him?" I said, "No, he's he's not here at the moment." I said, "Oh, is he? You know, um, as he as he got out then?" He said, "Oh, he's he's in hospital." So fucking hell. Well, can you give us the, the name of the place he's at? And which hospital hospital is he at? Is it Coven Warwick, Walsgrave? What? And we'll we'll go and visit him. She said, No, he's in a he's in a hospital in I think they said it was in Bedford. Anyway. Uh it was some sort of mental health clinic. The guy had had a fucking breakdown. So we went on to explain to his mum, you know, what was going on as far as we knew. 
And she said, yeah, well, that's pretty much what the psychiatrists have told us. But he can't come out of this loop. He can't come out of this loop in his head. It's just stuck. And they're actually now sedating him at night so that he can get uh, sleep without, without REM sleep. So he doesn't dream. And even then, you know, even then, he occasionally still wakes up screaming. So anyway, we said, well, look, we'll go over and see him. Like, if if you think that that's the thing to do. And, uh, you know, just, just maybe a friendly face. And she said that, uh, you know, just leave it for a little while. Let's see, you know, because apparently the doctors didn't even want his parents there. So... You know, anyway, one of his sisters, actually, she was she was quite cute. Um, and I know my mate had kind of fancied her for a while. So he he was doing all the uh, arm on the shoulder and, you know, oh, you know, if you ever need anything, call me. <laughs> and we got out of there. I said, you dirty bastard. You just cannot leave pussy alone. You just cannot leave it alone. But anyway, um, we left it for a little while and we thought, well, we'll give it a week. And then we'll phone his mum, see how he is. So I phoned her and I said, you know, how's he doing? Is, is there any improvement? And uh, she then went on to tell us that he tried to take his own life. And, well, I just sank in my fucking chair. If there was ever a guy you would think would never do something like that, it was Mark. And he'd apparently attempted suicide he got a uh a bed sheet um taking it off uh a, tied it to a landing and tried to hang himself only um he didn't tie his hands up when he he kind of went off this thing and what he'd done is basically dislocated his neck that's all he'd done apart from crushing his windpipe so but he was going to make a recovery and he wasn't uh he wasn't uh critical at that point, I mean, we all knew it was serious, but now it's life-threatening. And we're thinking, you've got to be fucking joking, man. There's, there's just, this is just mad. So we said to his mum, right, if there is anything that we can do, please speak to his doctors. I mean, anything that we can do. Come in and talk to him. Come in and spend time with him. Do whatever. Please let us know. So anyway... um, I guess a couple of weeks went past, if not longer, actually, probably about a month. And his mum phoned and said he's, um, his doctors now think he's in a position where um, he would uh, benefit from seeing some old friends. So um, myself and two of the guys uh, went to this place in Bedford. And uh, it, I must admit, I've never been to a mental hospital before. And it was... Um, you're kind of thinking in your head asylum but it wasn't like that it was just like a normal hospital and it had bars on the windows and uh, there was a hell of a security thing to get in and out it was more of a um, detention centre I would have said than it was a, a hospital but hey um, we went in we were searched uh, we were then escorted to a holding room and a psychiatrist came in spoke to us told us what we could say what we couldn't say um, and then he said, okay, uh, then, you know, we'll, we'll go and get Marcus, Mark. So Mark came in, and fucking hell, man, the guy was half the weight he was. I mean, physically, he, he must have weighed six stone, maybe seven. 
He was at least bloody 14 stone last time I'd seen him. Amazing. But that, you know, all right, but that's not the end of the story because, I mean, people can put themselves back together again. And uh, we spoke to him. We, we went for a walk in the garden. We were escorted. Uh, he wasn't allowed to walk out there on his own. And neither were we. So anyway, we we went for a walk in the garden. We were talking to him, and uh, we um, we were going on a, basically about things that were happening where we were, you know. And uh, such and such has bought a new car. He got it home and blew the engine out of it, the pillock, you know. And we would we were telling him funny things, just trying to bring him up a bit, and saying, "Oh, when you when you get out of this place, by the way, we're all going to go off to." Uh, uh, Nottingham, we're going to hire a caravan and go off to Nottingham and get pissed uh, so, you know, just mad things that we used to do um, <laughs> and uh, he seemed receptive but fuck was he down I mean, uh, alright the the antidepressants, I mean, I know, I know what it's like to take antidepressants but um, uh, because those, those of you who are in the know and follow the show will know that I'm a type 1 diabetic and uh, due to that, I managed to get myself a serotonin imbalance, uh, which is effectively clinical depression. And I ended up on antidepressants, which I've now been on for two years, probably about that. Um, it's, for me, it's a symptom of diabetes. It wasn't, I mean, it was, you know, to do with a ridiculously heavy workload, but <coughs> that's, you know, by the by. I know what it's about. And he was on. He, he was probably on 10 times the dose I'm on anyway. But, I don't know, we were we were very much looking forward to him coming out. We were going to help him. As soon as we got away from there, we went to see his mum and we said this, and, you know, this is what we said to him, that's what we said to him, we're going to do this and that. And uh, she was very grateful. Um, his dad was... His dad was almost embarrassed, I think. Well, he knew us as being a, a bunch of you know, Jack the Lads and his son was one of them and, you know, when we went out we got pissed, we pulled and we got very silly and occasionally we got too silly and that's how his dad knew us, you know, as as the silly boys. Well, I think his dad was quite embarrassed that his son had, had got, undergone this breakdown and for what? Nobody could find an underlying cause for it, ever. Nobody could find it. Anyway, um... It was probably, I mean, we were phoning and they wouldn't let us back there, but we were phoning every week back to his mum for about a month, two months maybe. And they just told us he was coming home and that we weren't to visit the house uh, for at least a couple of months, let him settle in. And then, you know, slowly but surely, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, um, Christ, we were coming up to September time. I do remember it was a September. And I got a phone call about half past three in the morning. And uh, I was like half asleep. You know, hello, hello. And it was Mark. And he went, all right, you blaggard, how you doing? He didn't call me a blaggard, but he called me something similar. I said, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm cool, how are you? He said, yeah, yeah, I'm sorted. I said, what's up? Can't sleep. Ha, ha, ha. Make sure you don't have any nightmares. Well, laughing and joking about it all. And he said, uh, he basically, after a bit of chat, and he, he seemed a lot better. He seemed a lot happier in himself. 
he said uh, he was going to go away for a, a while and that uh, he'd give me a shout. Um, and he just wanted to say, you know, thanks for all we've done and like for his mum and for, you know, his family and stuff. And I said, yeah, oh, no problem. Where are you going? He said, oh, it's, you know, just uh, some more convalescence. He said, I just need to get away from myself. And I didn't even think fucking twice about it, to be honest. Um, phone went down. I went to sleep. Following day, I got a call from a mate of mine. And he said, uh, you're never going to believe this. I had a fucking call from Mark last night. I says, yeah, so did I. Half three this morning. He went, fucking hell, he must have phoned everybody. I said, why? Because he's phoned such and such and he's phoned this. And we, then we all went, oh, shit. Shit. And we phoned the house. His sister answered and um, she could barely talk. We knew. We knew. And uh, we asked if we could come round. And his sister said, you know, I better not. Um, we didn't even want to ask what happened because, I mean, Jesus, that's his sister we're talking to. So uh, anyway, uh, we said to her, call us, please call us. So we all went out that night, the, all of us, his mates, our mates, you know, or everyone that knew each other must have been, of course, it was a pub full of us. And we had a drink to Marco, Marcos. And uh, we all had a chat about it all and talked about how senseless it was and how stupid it was. Funeral took place, Christ. Um, it was about a week later because there was a... There had to be a post-mortem because it was a, sus a sus un unexplained death. Um, or suspicious death, as they call it. Well, he'd, um, he'd basically taken himself out to the garage, uh, whopped a rope around a beam, hung himself. This time he had tied his hands beyond his back. And uh, he had also stood on a box and then kicked the box away. So His dad found him. We knew that much. And then later on, of course, we we uh, we attended the funeral, and uh, we were told that in all of a sudden, the last two days of his life, he got really, really up. He became his old self again, practically. He was eating again. He was drinking again. He was laughing and joking again. I think. From what they told us, the uh, Sykes had explained to him, basically explained to his family that, that it was at that point that he decided that he couldn't do it anymore, and that he was he'd made a conscious decision to end it. And from the point that he'd made that decision, he felt a lot better about himself, and uh, he killed himself. Well, it took a little while. I mean, it's not as if I, I wasn't best mates with it. He was, he was a guy I knew in a crowd of guys. And I was trying to help him and other people were trying to help him. I wasn't the only one. I was, I'm not making myself out to be, you know, some sort of fucking Mother Teresa here. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't phoning the guy all the time. Anything I can do, anything I can do. He had a lot of other people doing that. He had a lot closer friends than me. But I wanted to make sure that, that he got a variety of people that were showing that they gave a shit. 
and not just the people that who are closest to him i think and that that's why i was doing it well anyway um bumped into his sister the family moved and then i bumped into his sister in a nightclub in northampton about two years later and uh i was saying to her you know actually i was with the mate that was trying to ch chatter up two years before uh who incidentally by that point was in a, a very um <laughs> a very um stable relationship uh so anyway i i was chatting to her and she was thanking us and saying you know you know you guys were great all his friends were great and uh especially i mean we all had a big whip round as well pub full of us we had a whip round to try and help pay for the uh, funeral and we raised about two and a half grand and that pretty much covered the majority of it. Uh, so I was talking to her for for quite a while, and uh, you know we had a bit of an exchange of phone numbers, and you know thought right, okay, I'll uh, I'll give you a bell. She went, yeah, do that. I said, you know, we'll we'll go and get a drink maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I thought, oh, all right then. <laughs> so anyway, my mate who was with me just going, you lucky bastard. <laughs> She was a very nice girl. Uh, so I phoned her and uh, her mum said, oh no, she's out with some guy, right? And I, oh, right, okay, okay. Yeah, not to worry then. So I kind of left it at that thinking, all right, well, I'd left it too long. I'd left it a week before I phoned her. So um, I completely left it. And then somebody came into the, the pub when uh, there was a few of us in there. I was with her actually in there with my brother. And uh, a few of his mates and a few of few of my mates and um, a guy came into the pub and he said, uh, "Your old mate, you know the one that uh, topped himself." I said, "What, Marcus?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, the guy you you used to call that, yeah, Marcos, Mark, yeah." He said, uh, "His fucking family have died." I'm like what? Fuck off! He said, "No, seriously, his family's died." What do you mean his whole fucking family's died? Yeah. Yeah. I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. Anyway, we were saying to him, uh, how do you know this? Like, he said, well, I, I know a cousin of one of the one of the sisters. What the fucking hell happened? He said, I don't know, some sort of, I don't know, accident, some sort of boat accident or something. And we all fucking looked at each other, absolutely gone out. And we were, just couldn't believe what we were hearing. You know, you've got to be off your fucking tree, mate. So I had this phone number. And that night, I got home. And I'm thinking, I've got to fucking phone it. I've got to phone it, you know. And I hadn't got home too late. It was about half ten, eleven-ish. So I phoned this number. And somebody answered. And I went, oh, fucking hell. Hi, hi, is uh, such and such there? And uh, the voice on the end went, uh, who's calling, please? And I said, well, it's uh, it's Ken. I'm um, an old friend of the family. I was a good friend of uh, Mark's, or a friend of Mark's. And then uh, I'm also a friend of blah, 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 who is Mark's sister. And she said, no, um, I'm, I'm sorry, but there's been a, a terrible accident. And I said, look, well, that's why I'm phoning, because I've heard this. But I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. And she said, yeah, yeah. Um, 
they were going from, I won't go into too much detail here, but they were going from such and such to such and such, and they were on a car ferry. And the thing basically left port with its back door open. And the fucking ferry fell over. I mean, it just, it just toppled onto its side. And the vast majority of the ferry was underwater. And uh, that's where they were, they were on this ferry. All right. The mum, the dad and the two girls were on this ferry. And I just absolutely couldn't get my head around it. Just couldn't. How could Mark have had that dream? Uh, with the funeral, with the burial at sea? They weren't buried at sea. The bodies were recovered. There was a funeral. I fucking know, because I was there. Jesus Christ, that was a sight. You ever seen four people being buried at once? Fucking hell. It was um, incredible. Just incredible. Changed my... Um, I, I used to have this open-minded nature about the supernatural, you know. Always been very open-minded. And uh, I've kind of always been sceptical. I mean, I was brought up a Catholic from the age of, like... <laughs> four I was forced to go to church every bloody week until I was about 15 <clears throat> when I eventually said for Christ's sake you know I'm old enough to make up my own mind now and I didn't have to go anymore uh, and I guess I became a non-believer I guess so I'm, I'm with the evolutionaries anyway you know we we all descended from fucking space aliens so <laughs> But um, I don't know. I just sat night after night, you know, thinking about it. <coughs> A couple of friends of mine did the same. We often talked about it. For months afterwards, we talked about it. Did he really have a premonition? But could that premonition have been literally two, two and a half years before the event happened what what was the point of that what what would if somebody if some almighty power was trying to implant that into his head that this would happen why torture him with it can you imagine if he had recovered if he had gone on with his life and not been on that ferry it would have ripped him apart, wouldn't it? He'd have never got back. He'd have just never got back. His mind would have gone so deep that he never would have got back. And there's a whole family wiped out because of... God, because of what? Because of what? When you see the pointless nature of life and how fickle a corporeal lifespan is you really do have to think that was an incredible incredible series of events never get over that i mean it's 20 years now so it's something i guess i still think about 
Um, it's something that I think about not very often, but when you see these things in the papers about young kid committed suicide, blah, 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 and you think, Jesus Christ, tormented by whatever, tormented by bullying or by a dream, it's all the same, you know, it's all the same. It's life-destroying, it's life-changing, and not just for that person, but for everyone around them. But I just couldn't believe that four people could die on a ferry like that. But I also wouldn't have believed that Marcus, Marco, would have committed suicide. Crazy things. I didn't say this was going to be a funny podcast, guys. But I did promise you a podcast story. Now, occasionally, you're going to get a podcast story that's funny. Got loads of those. The next one I'll make is funny. The occasional podcast, you are going to get to hear about things that are real. Things that are life-changing. Sometimes, things we all face. Because we all need to balance the good bits and the bad bits. And treat them basically the same way. You handle everything with a, a, a level of dignity and a level of control in both scenarios. And that's how you learn your way through life, I think. Anyway, I hope this one hasn't made you too sad. You do, you do come out the other side of things like that. Um, he's not the only person I've known that's committed suicide. I knew somebody else that did that, but that's a story that I can't tell. And I can't tell that because I am not close to, but I guess my parents are still in contact with the family. Uh... People that have died, Christ, loads of them. Absolutely loads of them. I've been to more funerals than that can count. I've carried more coffins than that can count. I carried marks. But hey, if he's not remembered by some, he won't be remembered at all. And he is remembered by me. And that's the only thing I can really say. Uh, it's up to you whether or not you believe this one. Personally, I don't really care. <laughs> I know what happened and uh, you can choose to believe it you can choose to not believe it entirely up to you but leave a comment anyway and uh, pass these to your mates I want to see if I can get these uh, podcasts to go a little more ooh, a little more out there you know and uh, get them seen by a few more people get them listened to by a few more people and I will as ever guys my name is Ken Burton, and this has been a podcast story. I'll see you soon. Take care.